Hello, everybody. I'm Peter Giuliano, SCA's Chief Research Officer, and you're listening to an episode of the RICO Podcast, a series of the SCA Podcast. The RICO Podcast is dedicated to new thinking, discussion, and leadership in specialty coffee, featuring talks, discussions, and interviews from RICO Symposium, the SCA's premier event dedicated to amplifying the voices of those who are driving specialty coffee forward. Check out the show notes for links to our YouTube channel, where you can find videos of these talks. This episode of the RICO Podcast is supported by Toddy. For over 50 years, Toddy brand cold brew systems have delighted baristas, food critics, and regular folks alike. By extracting all the natural and delicious flavors of coffee and tea, Toddy cold brew systems turn your favorite coffee beans and tea leaves into fresh cold brewed concentrates that are ready to serve and enjoy. Learn more about Toddy at toddycafe.com. Toddy, cold brewed, simply better. Rico Symposium and the Specialty Coffee Expo are coming to Portland in April 2020. Don't miss the forthcoming early bird ticket release. Find us on social media or sign up for our monthly newsletter to keep up to date with all of our announcements. Today, we're very happy to present the second episode of Growing Consumption, Letting Go of Sameness, a session recorded at Rico Symposium this past April. We've all grown accustomed to specialty coffee consumption growing at a really fast pace, but some signs indicate it might be slowing. This session convened experts to ask, what do we stand to gain if we become more diverse in our approaches and our offerings? If you haven't listened to the previous episode in this series, we strongly recommend going back to listen before you continue with this episode. As the majority of specialty coffee consumption lies in the United States, the EU, and East Asia, so-called producing countries have solely and strategically focused on export, intending to increase demand in so-called consuming countries. However, the main cities in places like Brazil, Colombia, Mexico, and Rwanda have all seen an increase in specialty coffee shops and overall coffee culture, following the steps of the waves of the coffee industry. In some cases, with current low coffee prices, it's become more attractive for coffee producers to sell coffee on the national market, where the price they receive for their coffee is higher or equal than that of exporting. Are these markets enough of an opportunity for specialty coffee growers? What's the real potential? Should producers invest their efforts in their own countries? And what can this sector, the specialty coffee sector, do to facilitate these opportunities? Vera Espindola Rafael shares the intriguing early results of her study into domestic consumption of specialty coffee. Also, to help you follow along in this podcast, I'll chime in occasionally to help you visualize what you can't see. Good morning. Um, part of the story of this talk starts for me many years ago. I was a development economist and studying uh, at this university. And they invited, to, they invited me to this research team. And this research team was studying the distribution of value within, within the coffee supply chain. For me, at the end of this study, what most, was, was most surprising to me was the actual value going to the producer. Fast forward to last year, I was reading the coffee barometer, and the following sentence actually captured me. It said, Currently, the average green coffee export value is less than 10% of the 200 billion revenues generated in the coffee retail market. And exactly it's this percentage that again just left me starstruck to say. Because it was again the same question I was asking myself years before. 
how can we capture more value within these producing countries? So many of the producers are always looking for different market opportunities. And it's within these market opportunities that they're trying to obtain a certain price, which enables them to give that return of investment with a specific profit margin. Many of these exporting countries have focused on exporting their product because the majority of the consumption lies within the US, Asia, and in Europe. Many of these exporting countries have strategically invested in specifically positioning their coffee in those consuming countries. And those can be from different sort of angles. You have environmental condition or environmental characteristics, for example, as Costa Rica, or attributing a certain value to their specific coffee, for example, good quality coffee in Colombia. All with the specific intention to create a larger demand for their coffees for these buyers and consumers. Now, within the following study of Pome Cafe, which is a coffee program in Mesoamerica, part of the ICA, which is the Institute of um, let me recommend this, the Institute of Inter-American for Cooperation on Agriculture, and within the study, the following was shown. Costa Rica exports 51% of their country to one particular country, followed by El Salvador, which exports 41% of their coffee to one particular country. This actually shows that the countries are highly dependent on consumer habits of that particular country. Honduras, in this matter, showed that they were more diverse. Only 27% of their coffee went to that particular country. So they have much more different market outlets for the, the rest of their, for the rest of their coffees. So the question was for me, what about the consumer habits within these countries? How is specialty coffee evolving? Could specialty coffee actually be, for producers, a viable option within these countries? Let me show you the following. Vera has just started a video titled Consumption in Producing Cities. While the music plays, we're seeing images of some of the specialty coffee cafes she visited while conducting research. From Mexico City, there's Alma Negra and Cucurucho. In Guadalajara, there's Parial El Terrible Juan Cafe and 66 Cold Brew. From Bogota, Colombia, we see Azahar and Varietale. And in Brazil, we see Baden Torrefacto Cafés Especiales in Porto Alegre, UM Coffee in Sao Paulo, and Como M Casa in Manua City, Amazonas. All of these cafés have the visual signifiers we've come to expect of specialty coffee cafés. Precision equipment, striking design, and professional baristas. While we see these images, Jesus Salazar, a coffee entrepreneur from Mexico, speaks. He says, Over the past three years, we've seen a growing interest in professionals and consumers in differentiated coffees. This curiosity is directed or has very diverse expressions. Every time more, manual filter coffees are consumed versus automatic filtrations. As always, the espresso or the drinks with the milk are appreciated, although every time with more stringent requirements and on the part of the consumer, they demand more when it comes to the presentation, the quality of both the coffee and the milk itself. So 
these cafes have been largely based in Brazil, Colombia, and Mexico. Now, what is most remarkable of these types of cafes, it's called especially coffee cafes, um, that they're not only located within these capital cities, not even only in metropolitan areas, which are of, they're often actually also now developed uh, outside these areas. So let's take a closer look within these countries itself. When it comes to Brazil, coffee consumption, Brazil is a mature market. Vera is showing a chart of green and roasted coffee consumed per capita in Brazil. Coffee has been hugely popular over the last few years, over the last more than a decade, uh, actually. And according to the latest numbers of ABIC, which is the Association of the Coffee Industry within Brazil, coffee has been increasing in consumption around 3 to 4%. Within the period of 2003 and 2009, Brazil had actually its largest increase. And this is due to a certain economic stability within the country itself, as well as higher wages. It was these higher wages that actually allocated this lower social class, which were around 20 million Brazilians, to a new middle social class. And this new middle social class attributed actually to around 95 million Brazilians. What did it actually meant for coffee consumption? Well, this specific middle social class grew in 2003, which were around 37%, to the share of the consumption value, all to um, 42%. In this exact same period, the out-of-home market grew tremendously and very rapidly, and it grew more than 170%. Consumers nowadays in Brazil are consuming 21 million bags, which is around six kilo per capita. And not only this, there are actually um, having much more young people consuming very frequently during the day coffee. It's this age group of between 16 and 20 years old which have contributed to this. Now consumers are often that the ones that are drinking coffee outside their homes are looking for that quality coffee. But it's not only these consumers that are looking for quality coffee. In general, what they were looking for is quality, practicality, and diversity within their coffees. And it's exactly in that practicality angle, which in Brazil, they're creating a huge value for their markets. Because that practicality comes in with capsules. And it's estimated by 2019 that this capsule market have a value of more than $715 million. Let's look at Colombia. So coffee in Colombia is a very important crop. Um, in 2018, according to the numbers of uh, FNC, they have been producing 13.8 million bags. And they're exporting 12.6 million bags. What's very interesting in, uh, in Colombia is that they started in 2010 with a consumption campaign, which called is Toma Café. And the particular angle of this program was to focus on um, diverse recipes of, of coffee, but also creating a pattern where they were always drinking, you could always drink coffee uh, on any time of day, on any time of vacation. And this was an important contribution towards that consumption habit of drinking coffee. They reached from in 2009 when they were drinking around 1.2 million bags of coffee to 2017, uh, 2015, sorry, to 1.7 million bags. Nowadays, Colombians are drinking 1.8 million bags. 
And because of this increase of consumption, they actually had to now import more coffee uh, from other countries in order simply to supply with that consumption. In 2018, they imported now 700,000 bags, which was a tremendous increase from the year before. So what about Mexico? So Mexico has been grown in the last three years within consumption itself. But the production numbers is far more interesting. Unfortunately, um, in the last, unfortunately, in 2015, we had a huge dive within the production numbers. And nowadays, the production has grown to almost 3.8 million bags, according to the numbers of Anicafe. In 2015, it was around 2.2 million bags. Um, According to the latest study of Euromonitor for Mexico, which was performed in 2017, consumption at that time was 2.8 million bags, which was around 1.4 kilos per capita in Mexico. Um, in 2018, we did an exercise with Ane Café, and it showed that Mexican consumers were drinking now around 2 million bags. So, what does this mean actually for specialty coffee and what does it mean for these producers? So uh, I interviewed within the months of March and Feb, cafe owners as well as producers that were selling their coffee as specialty coffee. These were a different type of producers from small to medium. Some of them are selling their coffee uh, around 30% as specialty, including both national and export. Others were selling all the way up to 80% or 90% solely as specialty coffee. Just to as a reference point, I mentioned here the ICO composited price for 2019, which in Feb was $1.01 a pound. And the one in March was 97 cents a pound. Let's have a look at Brazil. So again, these are producers that have specialty coffee and sell their coffee on the national market. On average, from the case studies that I interviewed, it was an internal price of $1.25 a pound, in comparison to the export price, which they were selling around $2.55 a pound. Within the calculation of the export price uh, for Brazil, which I also took into consideration, was now the recent Transparent Trade Coffee Guide. So it's very interesting to see that the specifically internal market price has been well calibrated, so to say. Let's look at Colombia. Colombia at that time had an internal price of $1.86 a pound, among the case studies that I took into account. The export price for this particular coffee was around $2.52 a pound. Let's take a look at Mexico. Again, these are producers that have specialty coffee and sell it on the internal market. In Mexico, we had an average price of $3.87 a pound. And the export was $3.08 a pound. For them, it's very profitable to just sell on the internal market. So what does this actually mean for um, the future of these producers? 
what, what, what I've, when, uh, when interviewing these cafe owners, they've often explained to me they have a certain vision when it comes to these coffees on the national market. It's simply for them being able to buy the specific coffees and wanting them to sell these coffees on the national market, the best quality coffees of their countries to their consumers within their environment. Often for these producers, it's also much more easier to do business with their fellow uh, citizens, with their fellow colleagues, sort of say, of the industry. Um, business becomes easier as you talk the same language, uh, you share the same culture. So the majority of these, of, of these uh, cafe owners believe that they can actually um, continue sourcing, conforming this direct trade model uh, of these producers. And it's also a certain vision that these cafe owners carry with them because they see what kind of challenges these producers have uh, within the environments they're in, within these producing regions. One of the cafe owners, for example, even said to me the following. He said, I pay this price so that the farmer can pay the workers fairly. But when talking to the farmer, he actually understood that in order to comply with the specialty coffee requirements, you know, he needed to pay a bit more in order to pay the, the, the workers uh, as well. And so this interaction directly of understanding very quickly what's going on has left to, has left to these uh, assumption from cafe owners saying, I want to contribute actively to, in order to get these coffees in. Another comment that was made was, the amount of dedication and time the farmer spent of, on this farm is worth this price. So what does that mean on a larger scale? How is this really a potential within these countries? For this, we need to look a bit closer to the country itself. In Brazil, we have a population around 209 million people. The majority of the people, around 85%, live in these urban areas. The 60% of this population is within the age category of 15 and 54, and they have a GDP of around $9,800. Colombia. Colombia has 49 million people. Again, also 80% of these, of these people live in urban areas. And also for them, they have an age group of around 60% between 15 and 54, and the majority within 25 and 54 years old. GDP here is uh, more than $6,000. Let's look at Mexico. Mexico has a population of 129 million people. Also here, the majority live in urban areas, around 80%. And around almost 60% is in the age group between 50 and 54. And the GDP is around $9,000. So what was interesting to see is that actually, again, coffee to produce a pretty inelastic product. As the people with their salaries and with their income, they're able to pay for these coffees. So what does this actually mean when they are consuming and are spending on coffee? On average, what we have seen is that for beverage like espresso in Brazil, you pay $2 and in Colombia, 1.5 and in Mexico, 1.9. A cappuccino goes for 2.5 in Brazil, 1.8 in Colombia, 
and in Mexico for two. And these are prices that are uh, uh, that I got from the specialty coffee cafes over uh, part of the case studies itself. On the filter beverage, we see for Brazil 3.5, for Colombia 1.8, and for Mexico 2.2. So as we can see, people with these um, incomes are able to spend and are willing to spend for their coffees this particular price. So let's lead, hear more a bit about the habits of these consumers, particularly for Mexico. Vera's new video starts with the question, what are the consumer habits in Mexico? Before focusing on two men sitting on a bench near some lush tropical plants outside the coffee roastery. You can see a colorful mural on the wall behind the coffee roaster. They are Fabrizio Sancion Ramirez and Jorge Sotomayor, co-owners of Sublime Specialty Coffee Roasters in Mexico. As Fabrizio speaks, we see some images of Sublime's coffee packaging on a shelf. It's whimsical, featuring animals wearing different styles of hats. Later, we see images of specialty milk drinks being made in Sublime's cafe. In Mexico, we've witnessed how consumer habits have changed. Locally, we've gone from serving coffee to people who came to visit us just to be in a quiet place, to people who visit us specifically to try something new or to understand specialty coffee a little better. The most consumed beverage in our coffee bars is coffee, black coffee or coffee with a little water. In second place would be coffee with milk and additives. People definitely value the product more and more. They realize what is done in Mexico is of quality and has a lot of potential. I think that has also been one of the stellar brand values that tries to highlight what is produced well in Mexico. And we in our bar give that message to our customers. So can this willingness and can these consumer habits actually be that potential and be of skill? Because that's the question. So let me recap on what I've just mentioned. So the producers are obviously very motivated. They have seen this uptake within their countries and they're seeing actually a different type of income that they're generating. Also what they've seen, that's actually less paperwork, less admin. It's for them easier to sell this coffee on that national market. And what we also see within these countries that there's this large potential consumer group. And what we're seeing as well that there's also certain willingness to pay for it. But there's also a flip side. At the end of the day, it's still a niche segment, low volume. And what we also have hearing from these interviews is that there are also inconsistent coffee orders. So there's no frequent coffee orders throughout the year. And sometimes it's even in the cases that they say, I would like to have a certain coffee, but then buy six months later. And an important one as well, that for these countries, citizens are also worried about the certain conditions which a certain country has, and that instability leads to that certain uncertainty. What also has mentioned by um, specifically these small, medium entrepreneurs, that the credit schemes they have, they don't have that much access to it. So setting up a business, starting up a business is quite difficult, even expanding it. However, can then, with these circumstances, that this, the, the, can the specialty coffee grow much more within these countries? And is there that potential and is there that skill? 
I actually think so. So from what we have seen from mature markets as Brazil and campaigns in Colombia that have been focusing on creating much more supply of uh, much more uh, coffee consumption, we can see that this actually pays off. With these campaigns and with the support, you can see that coffee consumption have increased. And this can actually be that motivator that special coffee needs because it can benefit from these campaigns when these campaigns will focus specifically on specialty coffee and specifically on explaining to consumer what specialty coffee is and what it entails in terms of production. At the end of the day, what we're seeing is that in all of this, these cafe owners with their staff are creating a certain change and a certain change in consumption pattern of these consumers. They're explaining to them what specialty coffee is and what the specialty coffee production looks like. These cafe owners with their staff, they're becoming those influencers within the, within the, within the equation of adding that added value to the consumer, to the producers. And it's this particular added value which producers are receiving, which are able for them to secure the livelihoods of their families and their communities. So they're willing, and these countries have a huge potential. The question is, can we continue to build on this? Thank you. That was Vera Espindola Rafael at Rico Symposium this past April. Remember to check out our show notes to find a link to the YouTube video of this talk, a full episode transcript, and a link to speaker bios on the Rico website. Rico Symposium and the Specialty Coffee Expo are coming to Portland in April 2020. Don't miss the forthcoming early bird ticket release. Find us on social media or sign up for our monthly newsletter to keep up to date with all of our announcements. This has been an episode of the Rico Podcast brought to you by members of the Specialty Coffee Association and supported by Toddy. <laughs>